Expanded Thinking is a new podcast produced by Talking Words. I'm your host, Walter Mason. And in this special eight-part series of conversations with writers, creators, and spiritual practitioners, I'll be introducing you to some remarkable guests whose powerful ideas and extraordinary stories will inspire you to live a more fulfilling and more expansive life. In this week's episode, I'm chatting to legendary ABC broadcaster, author, and afterlife explorer, Barry Eaton about our past lives. Barry is the host of internet radio show Radio Out There and has written several books on life after death, including Afterlife, No Goodbyes and Past Lives Unveiled. He and I will discuss eternal consciousness, working with spirit, as well as the power of meditation. Dear, dear Barry, in this life, you've arrived here at the studio to chat with us. And we're so happy to have you. Oh, look, it's delightful to be here, Walter. <laughs> Always delightful to be in your company. And it's so peculiar because you are a legendary bro- broadcaster. So I'm I'm at the feet of the master right now. Oh, I wouldn't say that. But anyway, thank you for the thought. <laughs> <laughs> and you're also, in your, your recent years, a great writer and a great spiritual teacher, I'd like to say. And your specialty subject is past lives. And Barry, I wanted to ask you, when did you first start believing in the possibility of past lives? Well, I never thought of a possibility, Walter, because I just knew from when I was a kid that this was just one life of many. I just accepted deep down that we have past lives and this was this incarnation. And as I grew older and started to study a few things here and there, and I I talked to various people, it just became fact in my mind. I mean, past life just, to me, makes logical sense. It makes spiritual sense. It makes ultimate sense. And how did you connect to your own past lives? Well, once again, that's a bit of a long story. I was working on mainstream radio and TV here in Sydney, Australia, and um, back in the 80s, I was doing a program a nighttime program on a commercial radio station where I had open line programs and I had various guests at times. And at one stage I, I got a, a guy in called uh, Mark Gruner. Now, Mark was very well known in those days as a numerology expert. Oh. And he'd toured America, he'd done all sorts of things. And I'd actually interviewed him on, on Channel 10 television for the morning program and got him in. And all of a sudden he was so popular that the, the switchboard would light up every time I even mentioned the fact that my next guest is Mark Gruner. And all of a sudden we had to close the switchboard off because it closed the station down. So he would come on, he would give everybody little numerology readings, you know, what's your birth date and everything like that. And uh, on he would go. And then Mark started to talk to me because he was educated in London at the a mystery school there. And there were only seven students and he was the seventh and when he arrived, the guru or whoever it was said, OK, well, we can start now. He said, why? He said, well, we had to wait for seven students. You're the seventh, so we can start now. And seven is a very spiritual number. I'm born on the seventh of the seventh. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so it resonated with me. Yeah, yeah. So Mark was the person who opened so many doors for me. And he introduced me to other people like Gary Wiseman, who's the astrologer. He came on the program. I took a great interest in astrology. And then I had a a psychic contact me. 
um, Diana Shaw, and then Diana he used to come on, and then 2GB gave us our own program, Diana Shaw and myself, on a Sunday night called Thought Waves. And so it just grew from there. So it was a like a, a gradual transformation from my career, which I started off uh, failing law and going into the theatre instead, uh, and then uh, becoming a radio and TV broadcaster and, and still doing a bit of acting. But this was this gentle transformation that took me through that whole arena so that then in the 90s, when I had the, the big transformation moment, yes, my big transformation moment, it's called divorce. Oh. And, uh, <laughs> So that sort of changed everything and opened, closed one door, the door to the past, and opened the next door, which was the door to the future. So I was able then to start combining the two. So that was the beginning of it. But past lives has always been there, Walter, as something that I was really, really interested in. So that's the the basic story of my transformation. How fascinating. It's always always been there for you. Mm. In your books and... I hope I'm not being indel- indelicate, but you re- uh, you didn't start writing your books till later in life. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I used to do a lot of writing. Did I mean, you? Yeah, yeah. I, I worked for a couple of. Ma- I worked. I freelanced for a couple of magazines. I had a column in the Sun Herald uh-huh. there for a while, but not spiritual. Yes. I wrote travel, and I wrote a video column in the back in the 1980s when video was king before DVDs and that came in. So I had a full page column in the Sun Herald every Sunday. And so it sort of uh, fostered a a writing career, although I I do prefer to talk for a living, as you can hear now, you know, you shut me up, you know. And (laughs) so, but the the writing was there, but always deep down, as a kid, anybody gave me 10 shillings for my birthday, then I'd rush off and buy a book. Yeah, yeah. So I've always been fascinated with books, love books. So deep down, I always wanted to write a book. And then you did, and it was a, a completely vivid and engrossing and enthralling account of your exploration of past lives. Well, it got a bit deeper than that. It started off, you know, you had Maggie Hamilton on um, on the program. Now, Maggie helped change my life uh, from just being a, a simple broadcaster <laughs> through to embracing uh, my life as, a, as an author as well. And I wrote a book which I, I thought I was, I was doing some spiritual, I had a spiritual group at the time. Yes. And uh, just teaching people the, the basics of various things. And um, I wrote a book called The Road to Perfection is Full of Potholes. <laughs> and that was a download I got from the other side oh. um, because I, I connected with spirit or whoever it was on the other side. And I kept on getting these downloads. So I, I thought, oh, there's not a book out there that helps people who have never really gotten onto the path who might be a bit interested, oh, yeah, psychics will, yeah, maybe they're all right, you know, most of them are, you know. I thought I'm going to write a book which will be sort of spiritualism, psychic, etc. 101. So I wrote this thing called The Road to Perfection is Full of Potholes. Gave it to Maggie because we were good friends, so she used to come along to my group sometimes and give talks and that. And um, Maggie said, oh, I'll take away and read it. So she said, I'll, I'll let you know when I've read it. So I got a phone call from her saying, um, can we meet for lunch? I said, yeah, yeah, of course. I want to talk to you about your book. Said, right, okay, here's me thinking. <laughs> so we got there and it was at Crow's Nest just near Alan and Unwin's um, offices. So Maggie walks in and she sat down with this sort of strange look on her face and she said, 
it's, it's just amazing. She said, I was coming here to tell you that we couldn't do that book, The Road to Perfection, because it's too many chapters. There was a chapter on all sorts of different things. She said, but as I was coming down the stairs from Alan and I want to meet you, she said, upstairs contacted me. And that's the way she talks about the spirit world. Upstairs contacted me. And they said, get him to write a book about the uh, uh, life after death. So she said to me, um, so we can't take the road to perfection, but would, would you consider writing a book about the afterlife and life after death? Well, I know about you, Walter, but when you haven't published a book and a publisher says, would you like to write a book? You're not going to say, no, 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 take that one on. <laughs> I thought, yes. <laughs> so I went away and I wrote uh, a book which um, Maggie helped me called very simply Afterlife. Yes. And um, then uh, she took the book, did some editing for it herself, which was fantastic because she's such a beautiful, beautiful person. And then... Uh, I, I did the edit, and she then presented it to Alan and Unwin, and they accepted it. So my career, shall we say, or my life-changing time into an author had begun. Thank you, Maggie Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how lovely. So, <clears throat> so you're now sort of a, an expert on this subject, you know. Well, yeah, well, I've written a trilogy on them. Yes, you have. Um, Afterlife was followed by No Goodbyes. And then I wrote another book in between because I had cancer. I got a bit of spiritual help to conquer that one. And then the third book, the fourth book, I should say, or the third book in the trilogy is called Past Lives Unveiled, of which you have a copy sitting in front of you right now. Lovely copy. It's a beautiful book, hardbound, and it's, it's well worth reading. It's just amazing. Thank you. Barry, in, re- in rereading your books, I, I had a question I wanted to ask you because it's something that came through from them. Do you think there's some sort of essential I that comes back again and again and meets up with people that we, we, we knew in past lives? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Without doubt. Um, we do have, from my research and writing past lives unveiled, I had a combination of my own experiences and regressions uh, and a lot of research for various other people from all around the place. And a very good friend of mine, Peter Smith, who was former president of the Michael Newton Institute, uh, he he and I became very good friends. We did a few Nexus conference talks together and things like that. And he helped me. He regressed me. He did all sorts of things like that. So Peter um, and I talk a lot about that and, and then allied that, of course, to consciousness. And so there's, there's absolutely no doubt, no doubt in my mind at all, and and you've w- witnessed this yourself th- through through your own spiritual exercises. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. You mentioned regression. Can you tell us what what that what that is? Explain explain right. the process and what uh, what happened to you. Uh, well, I had some regressions, some basic regressions in my first book, Afterlife, where I was taken back to my previous life to this one, and I actually died in the trenches in World War One in France, and. Um, I was regressed to that time. I relived the experience. I was in the trenches. I was feeling this dreadful feeling of lice all over me and all the terrible feeling of the fear and everything like that associated with being in the trenches. And it was the very first day of the Battle of the Somme, July the 1st, 1916. And I was taken back to that time, relived the fact that we went over the top, Germans were cutting us down, and I 
re-experienced that feeling of being shot and then lying in the field and then eventually dying. And in the book I describe how the spirit of my... All of a sudden I look up and there's my grandmother standing next to me and I'm saying, what, what are you doing? An old lady shouldn't be here in the, in the battlefield. What are you doing here? And then it occurred to me that, well, no, but she died a couple of years ago. So then it hit me that I had actually died on the battlefield. So then I was taken from there right through the whole experience. So that was the very first regression that I had. After that, um, I'd tried regression before, actually, many years ago. I, do you know Peter Ramster? Um, I've, I've heard him speak, yeah. yeah. It's, it, it's a, so re- regression is a form of hypnosis? Or? Regression, yeah, well, that's what I was going to tell you. Um, Peter I went to for past life regression. He was a psychologist ah. who then went into specialise through hypnotherapy. And I write about him in my book, Past Lives Unveiled. And um, he takes people back by taking you down into a very deep state of meditation, but it goes beyond meditation. You're going down into uh, into a deep state. And then it's a guided... You're connecting with your subconscious and you're being guided through into whatever door opens for you. And that the person who's doing the regression can, is talented enough to be able to take you through those doors and then uh, you, you relive it. You, you're an observer on the side. It's like standing on a film set or a TV set. Uh, when I say set, I mean <laughs> in the studio, uh, not your TV set at home. Um, and you're there and you're watching the actors perform. You're seeing the action happening in front of you, but you're there. So you don't have to get involved, even though there's horrible things maybe happening or good things or strange things or whatever. You are there as an observer. And that's what happens because... Peter Smith, as I said, a great hypnotherapist, trained me. So I do regressions for other people do as you? well. Yes, yes. How fascinating! Mm. You talk about um, well, in one mm. of your books, you talk about how you used to suffer from terrible headaches, mm. and you went to see a hypnotherapist, mm. and that sort of helped you with that problem. Um, so, where does the journey with hypnotherapy begin? Does that go way back as well, or? Well, my journey with hypnotherapy started with those migraines. Yes. Ah, oh, okay. That yeah. was your first time. That was my first time. A good friend of mine who was a psychic, and we'd worked together on a couple of uh, occasions. And uh, he was actually living uh, with us for a while in, in the household we had oh, when wow. I was living in Surrey Hills. <coughs> Pardon me, a few years ago. And um, yeah, his name was Mike, and Mike lived with us for a while and uh, talked me through hypnotherapy and, and helped me with those indeed to be able to get down into that subconscious area because that controls everything. The subconscious is there. We have various levels of consciousness, but the subconscious is the thing that controls us. And all of our memories are buried there. That's why we don't remember what our past lives were off the top of our head. Uh Can you imagine? You're having a few problems. Would you like to have all the memories of previous lives come flooding into you at that particular... Of course you wouldn't. So... We call it the veil, and when you're born, that veil, an invisible curtain, if you like, is dropped, and children remember their past lives, many of them, right through until about six or seven years of age, and then it just fades away, mm. usually because, you know, parents and school teachers and friends, and they say, oh, what are you doing? You're making all that up. Well, they're not, because they're still able to peer through the veil or just know that that's why they have imaginary friends and things. They are spirit entities that are working with them. So that veil is there, but the veil 
That's why I called my book Past Lives Unveiled because we can go through the veil and look at our past lives. Now, we all have past lives. Just about anybody that's be listening right now, we wouldn't have too many brand new souls. Uh, we've all had many, many turns around the, uh, <laughs> around the orchard over... Well, that's what we're here for. Yeah. We're here to learn. We're here to grow. We're here to develop and grow our soul. That's the whole purpose of life, to have all the experiences, to learn, to grow, to make mistakes, to learn from them. And, of course, each lifetime, we don't learn everything. We don't complete everything. And we bring karma back with us. So we've got to be able to face that karma in each lifetime. So we bring that back, and it's part of what we agree to in each lifetime is to work out what we choose to do, what we agree to do in each lifetime. So that way we wouldn't want a whole lot of information and stuff coming back to us from past lives at inopportune moments, shall we say. Yeah, yeah. It would, it would floor us. Um, <laughs> you know, in, um, in The Wind and the Willows, there's a wonderful chapter called Piper at the Gates of Dawn, and they go to an island and Pan is playing the pipes and they see him and they fall asleep in his lap. Yeah. And when they wake up, they can't remember. Yes. And it's called... It's called Pan's gift of forgetting because if we remembered it all, we couldn't handle it, could we? No, we couldn't. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, as a kid, if I, I grew up, I was born in the middle of the Second World War, right? Very old. Uh, <laughs> but if I grew up with all those memories as a kid of the, the horrors of the trench warfare, I would have been all over the place. But what I did grow up with, Walter, was an absolute fascination a weird fascination with World War One. Oh. I was born in World War Two, and all my uh, friends and that, you know, they were still running around playing Battle of Iwo Jima games and things like that. Um, D-Day landing at Normandy. I was more interested in the whole concept of the First World War, mm. and I couldn't really explain that. Mm. But of course, later on, I realised why that fascination was there. So it was still buried deep inside my subconscious and it would pop out every now and then in the form of a book or the form of a, a movie or or an article or, or whatever mm. and Barry in your past lives you you reconnected with your late wife is that a fact yeah um, which oh I know yeah, I know what I mean um, <laughs> well it's a bit of a complicated story this one do you mind if I tell the story I love it okay um, after I had that famous divorce that transfigured my lifetime, um, then I met a wonderful lady called Judy, and that was in 1992. And we recognised each other as soul companions. We started to talk about soul families before. I apologise for going off the mark on that one. We can get back to that. Um, and Judy and I just had this incredible connection, and we just knew we had this deep soul connection. But unfortunately, Judy... Um, who was a heavy smoker, ended up with emphysema and then she she passed. We were only together for four years, so she passed in um, 1997 and um, that was what I describe in my book Afterlife, the, the, the way that she and I had been working together because by this stage I'd also developed as a psychic after my divorce and I'd done astrology courses and done all these sort of things. So I was doing some psychic fairs and things like that, mind, body, spirit, my very first uh, 
professional reading was at the Mind Body Spirit Festival. <laughs> I was dragged kicking and screaming in to do a reading. And <laughs> and then it sort of took off from this. So Spirit had some funny plans for me. But anyway, Judy and I were very, very close and she passed very suddenly. That's a whole different story. Um, I'd started a radio program from home at this stage uh, on a Sunday morning. We were living together. we just moved out to Carlingford in Sydney, one of the outer suburbs in Sydney. And we set up a little studio and I connected through a, uh, a commercial radio station here and I used to do a live two-hour Sunday morning program. And we had various people would come in to appear on the program and everything like that. Well, then when Judy passed, I was absolutely bereft. One of the people that came in was a wonderful psychic and she doesn't live in Australia anymore, but she was fantastic. And she contacted me about four, six weeks after Judy passed um, and said, would you like to speak to Judy? I said, well, yes, but I can't because she's deceased. She said, no, she's come through and um, Spirit has given us permission for you two to be able to connect. Because quite often it takes quite a while for people, especially if they've been very ill, to connect from the other side. So I went along to, um, to her place and uh, she was uh, tap, tap, tap at the front door, you know, um, foot tapping. I was saying, well, yeah, here I am, what's the problem? She said, well, you're half an hour late. I said, oh, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm still, you know, a bit all over the place after Judy's passing. Uh, but she said, well, come in. Um, I've got a room full of people in here waiting for you. I think you've got a room full of people waiting for me. I thought I was just coming here to connect with Judy. Well, I walked in and I sort of peered around the corner and I couldn't see a soul. But the room was full of them. There were souls everywhere. Souls of my deceased family, everything. And Judy had organised a little family get-together. This was just before Christmas. So, and that way we connected and we were put together and told that we had permission to be able to continue and would be helped to continue our communications, which we did. So that was the beginning of, of my sort of work. Then I, I advanced through to become a medium as well, which I've advanced the studies on that one as I've gone on. Mary, how fascinating and how beautiful. <laughs> yes. A room full of souls. A room full of souls. I love that. And here's me thinking... Where the hell are they all? <laughs> that was probably the wrong thing to say, but anyway, because <laughs> they weren't in hell. They, they were over in the world of spirit. Not that there's any such place called hell. Forget that. Oh, okay. No. You mentioned soul families. I did. What are those? Well, we all have a collection of um, soul relationships. Now, we have a, a very tight soul family on the other side, and, and we've been working together as a family group over many, many, many lifetimes. But we have extended soul families, much the same as we have now with you know families getting divorced, et cetera, et cetera. So new families come in, extended families, you meet this person, they're added to the list. Well, it, we have extended soul families, people that we've worked with over, over many lifetimes. When I say worked with, we've come back. But the soul family is the essence of who we are as a group. And when we go back into the world of afterlife, which is our home. This is not home, we're just visitors. And we go back there once we've shed the body, because that's not us. Uh, our true self is, is the soul, which is just pure energy. So when we shed the vehicle that the soul uses to get around, we go back to the afterlife and then um, we reconnect. Now, some of our soul family may well be there in full energy, 
or not, but they're coming and going and we, we intermingle. So, I mean, you and I could have had a soul connection in a previous life, not necessarily in the same soul family, but an extended. So we agreed before we came over here um, to meet up in this lifetime for whatever purpose, whether it was to work together, whether to know each other, whether it could be you could have had a, a brother in a previous life who turns out to be um, a member of the soul family who this time in, in, it could be a nephew or whatever, that we mix and match around. The analogy I use is it's, it's like a repertory theatre company where there's a group and we get cast into different roles according to the production. Well, the production is a life, okay? So when we come back for a life, we're cast in that production and there are going to be some of the main lead characters that are cast from all those group of people from the repertory theatre or others might they bring in as a freelance from this uh, for this particular lifetime or whatever. So it's a lovely mixture. But we do have this core group of soul family and I know that Judy and I were members of the same soul family or are members of the same soul family. So we continued our relationship after she passed and we connected for several years afterwards. She kept on coming back and we had all these amazing things. In fact, my my second book I wrote called um, No Goodbyes, a wonderful medium called Val Hood contacted Judy and gave me some fantastic information about her. Wow, wow. Mm. Mentioned that when you were writing, it's like a download. Can you explain that a little more? Yeah, when I first started writing my book, Afterlife, I connected with a guide that I'd never had before. And we all have many guides. We usually have a master guide. Well, this guide came through, and I refer to, I'll say him, uh, because all I was allowed to say was the name M. And uh, it was a very, very senior guide. And M worked with me on my first two books, Afterlife and No Goodbyes. And a lot of the times... And I, I was able to connect because I connect um, spiritually and in several other ways. But M told me that he, she was there with me and helping me with information and connections and opening doors and putting me in touch with people in the spirit world and whatever. And um, quite often I'd be writing and all of a sudden my hands on the computer would, would sort of just write themselves. And... I'd already learned some automatic writing previous years. So autom- anybody can do automatic writing. You sit down, you clear your mind, you whatever, and then you just start writing, writing whatever's coming into mind. But if you can connect, and if you're connected with your guides, and we can all connect with guides, we can talk about that in a minute if you like, but um, the whole aspect of connecting with the other side, they will, they're there to help us. Our guides are there to help us. Now, I was told to write these books because... Um, the powers that be in the world of spirit want to take the fear of dying out of the world. And I was just one. Don't think that I'm the great big guru. I'm not. There are many of us around the world. You probably noticed with the books coming out in the last 10, 15 years, how many books there are on life after death, the afterlife, past lives, spiritualism, all this sort of thing. There's a plethora of them because there is a, a concerted drive and has been in the world of spirit to get this information out there to take the fear of death away. Not so much the fear of how we're going to die, but the fear of when we die, what's going to happen. And it's just a smooth transition, an absolute smooth transition. And that's beautiful to know. You talk about connecting with your guides. Mm. How does someone go about starting that process? 
Well, there are many different ways. There's quite a few books that are written, and I'm sure by going into uh, the, the bookstore and doing some uh, chasing online, you can find a couple of latest books. But the way I did it was to open... Uh, through meditation. I mean, so many things happen through meditation, mm. and that is when you uh, are doing a directed meditation. You're asking for help. Remember I said before, you don't ask, you don't get. So to be able to help... And a, a few people I've done consultations with have said, well, how do I connect with my guide? I said, mm. well, okay, well, put it out there and say, please, uh, I want to connect. I want to have a, a, a complete connection with you. Please come through. And they said, well, how do I know what their name is? I said, well, just say, what, what is your name or what would you like me to call you? The first name that comes to you, just call them that. That may not be their name. They might be... Fred to somebody else and they're coming to you as, as Jennifer. I mean, <laughs> who knows? It doesn't matter because that is your personal contact with your guide. But they are there. They're there to help us. They're there to work with us. And, you know, we all have our personal guides. Sometimes we have guides that are working with several of us because they're pretty busy people over there. They don't sort of sit around on clouds and hum straps, uh, hum, strum harps or hum straps, whichever you like. But they don't do anything with harps and clouds. Let's put it that way. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, I love that. I love, the, I love the idea that they're not in the clouds, but they're right behind us. Or right well, next they're to right us. with us. Right with us. I remember, I remember years ago driving down the highway back, and I was really tired, and I suddenly started to uh, drift, and I was drifting off to the right, and all of a sudden the wheel was almost wrenched out of my hand yeah. and swung back into the lane, and I sort of woke, and I had a really strong feeling that my grandfather was with me at the time. Oh wow! So. Yeah, we do have spirits of our ancestors that are there with us. My, my grandfather helped me uh, at one stage find my mother who'd gone missing and he came to me um, in a dream, woke me up, and then he's been with me a few times actually. My father's been with me. I was told by an, uh, somebody the other day, uh, a, a medium, that my father was watching the football with me the other night, <laughs> watching oh, television. Very <laughs> I thought, wonderful. How lovely. How great to sit back. And watch the footy with your father when you're Dad. my age. <laughs> what a life you have led. <laughs> well, I've been blessed to have had so many opportunities, but we all have opportunities. It's whether we take them or not. That's the most important thing. The door of opportunity is there, but we have to open it and go through. Barry, you said that um, we're here to develop and grow our soul. Yeah. Um, and why do you think some people aren't interested in that process? Some people reject that idea. Well, they're just not ready for it in this lifetime. Oh. Perhaps they've come here. We all come here with a kind of divine plan or it, it, we have a contract, an agreement for each lifetime. And part of that, it's like a job, you know. You, you sign a contract to start a job. Uh, and the job says you do this, 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 and this, and these are your duties, and this is what you'll get back, and this is whatever. So, but if we don't do those duties, if we ignore them or we do them badly or whatever, whatever, then a we might lose the job, or b we never get promoted. We just sort of get stuck down in the garage cleaning cars or something. You know? <laughs> but I, I mean that metaphorically, of course. Um, <laughs> Nothing to put down people who clean cars. No. But, but you know what I mean. Yeah. So in, at the end of each lifetime, we've got that collected karma that I talked about before that we haven't addressed and solved or done anything about these issues we've come back to face and to, to work with in this lifetime. And, of course, the people that we're coming back with, they've also agreed 
and they're helping us. So it might be our mother or my father, a partner or, or whatever, but it also could be our worst competitor, somebody we really got on badly with because we've agreed to come back. As I said before, that repertory company, mm. we agree to come back to work with each other. So we are creating situations where we're both learning and both growing. So it's, it's a huge, complicated... It's described to me by a group of souls I work with on the other side as being like the tapestry of life. Mm. And it's a huge tapestry with all of these threads woven and interwoven. And it just becomes, well, a giant tapestry. Complicated. That's a good word. (laughs) (laughs) But it need not necessarily be complicated. Uh uh If we're prepared to work with, grow, uh, accept, and and also... um, Admit to our mistakes because everybody makes mistakes. Most people think, "Oh, if I make a mistake and I get caught, you know what's going to happen? Uh, yeah. I'm going to be fired or whatever." But that's that's just a fear. Grow out, grow out of it. Fear, false evidence appearing real. So, um, yeah, Barry, you've mentioned it, but in your book, "The Joy of Living," mm. a you described that you had cancer yes. and you availed yourself of Western medicine. Um, but you also use meditation and visualization to help you along that journey. How important is meditation in your life now? You've moved through the journey of cancer. Yes, that's an equally good question to some of the others you've already asked me. Um, meditation is something that, if I was more disciplined, I would be meditating probably for an hour every day. Yeah, but I'm not, so I don't. Yeah. Um, but whenever I need it, I, I can get there, and whenever I can discipline myself, even if it's only 10 minutes or 15 minutes, to be able to do that. And meditation doesn't have to be sitting in a corner, clenching your forefinger and your thumb saying, "Um." meditation can be just quiet time. You can be sitting out in nature. And my partner, Anne, and I do this a lot because I live up in the northern beaches of Sydney. And we go down there most days for a walk and we will sit like we did yesterday. We just watched a sunset. And just be part of nature. Now, that's not the kind of meditation perhaps that a Tibetan monk or, or a Buddhist monk might regard as, as a pure meditation, but it's connecting. And I got a message through a, uh, another medium recently that I need to get into nature more. Ah. <laughs> something like that. You said something before. You said, <clears throat> spe- speaking about this world, you said this is not our home. We're just visiting. Yep. That's a challenging thing to say, isn't it? Some people would would uh, would feel odd about that, you know. Well, if you can accept the basic principle that we are not a body with a soul, but we are a soul using a body for a human experience. So we are pure energy. Everything is energy. So when that body dies, perishes, no further use. It's like an old car, you know. You can't keep driving it after it's had the... Had this, you've got to <laughs> trade it and get rid of it, whatever. goes to the junkyard. <laughs> so you get another one. Well, it's the same thing with, with a body. When the soul has had enough experiences with the current body to move beyond this lifetime, they have all the experiences they need, they've balanced as much as they can, they've done as much as they can, then it's time to leave that body and go back to where we came from originally. Now, energy cannot be destroyed. Fact of physics. It can be transmuted, but it cannot be destroyed. So energy's got to go somewhere. Now, the, the a, a person passing 
has a weight, a soul has a weight. There was an experiment done oh, about 100 years ago where they weighed a body just before death and just after. And the, there was an immediate difference of something like two ounces in the old terms. So that was the weight of the spirit. Spirit is the vehicle for the soul, by the way. Um, and that was the weight of the, the spirit leaving the body. So it's it's quite a fascinating thing, mm. but you've got to ta- you've got to accept that basic principle that we are a soul energy using a body for a human experience. So we leave that, we go. Where does it go? Goes back to where it came from originally. Which makes sense to me. So that call it the afterlife, call it heaven, call it paradise, call it world of spirit. You know, there's lots of labels. Doesn't matter. But that's where we come from, and we are all part of this soul energy which is the creative force that um, people refer to as God. But God's not an old man sitting in a chair somewhere with a big, light, long white beard, you know, chucking thunderstones, <laughs> <laughs> uh, thunderbolts around. God is just pure energy, absolute creative force, if you like. And I sounds a bit sort of um, vain, I guess, but I have connected with source, wow. so I prefer to call it. So you've, tapped, you've tapped right in. Yeah, in very deep meditation. Plus the fact I, I have gone to um, Brazil back in 2008 when I was over there at the John of God Casa and doing some very deep meditation and healing work over there as well. Mm. And so you've, you've connected to pure source, Barry. Mm. How about other sort of supernatural beings like angels? Mm. You've made those connections too? Oh, yeah. Wow. Well, we can all do that. Yeah? Yeah, anybody. You've got to sort of just open yourself up. And ask and trust. Now, I, I use angelic help all the time. Do you? Oh, yeah. Find me a parking space. There's parking angels. And you, if you, you speak to them and ask and put the request out, they're there. They're around us. Uh, and they're helping us. Yeah. And you may not sort of suddenly get a huge impact. There's no lightning bolts or anything like that. But it's, it's subtle. And the more you trust and the more you ask and everything like that, they help. And then acknowledge their help. Thank and be grateful. Being grateful is very, very important. Yeah, I, I never go to sleep at night unless I can find at least three things in my day to be grateful for. Tell us about your imagination. The, <laughs> the imaginative world. Of bells. <laughs> <laughs> Has it been enriched through these beliefs and practices? Do you have a, a, a deep sort of imaginative life? I do. Yeah. 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 And I've had the most amazing dreams lately. Yeah. I can't recount any of them to you because the trouble is um, they don't stay with me all that long. And I, uh-huh. I, I don't practice what I preach, and that is wake up in the morning and suddenly start writing things down. Yeah. Now, I've had a lot of contact in the middle of the night, and I've written things down in some of my books. Have you? But uh, just recently I've been getting lots of very interesting dreams where I've left the body. I know I'm not on this planet. I feel as if I'm in another world, whether it's another dimension of reality, whether it's another planet or or whatever, I'm not exactly sure. But I know in recent times I've been having some really fascinating dreams. And do you believe that um, information is communicated to us in our dreams? Definitely. Yeah. That's the most common way when people pass over, that they connect with you. Um, in fact, you ask most people when they've, they say, well, I've lost a relative. You haven't lost them. They're not lost. Uh, you might be feeling lost, but they're not. But they will come back and connect with you. How many people you know and when they've lost, when, they, when somebody has passed over, a few months later they say, oh, I dreamt about so-and-so the other night. That's their 
most common way of communicating, just to be able to let you know that they're okay. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's step number one. That's contact 101. But we can move on from there. There are so many other ways, of course, you know, by using mediums and various people like that. Yeah, yeah. Barry, what's one thing our listeners can all start doing today to live a more expanded life? To start off with, believe in yourself, um, which is most important. A lot of people have lost belief and confidence in themselves. And also, the word love is so important. I don't want to sound like, you know, some kind of love coach out there, you know. <laughs> but it is because some of the readings I've done over the years, and I still do consultations for people where I, I combine astrology and a bit of uh, clairvoyance and also mediumship, and getting people to believe in themselves and not put themselves down. And we all do it. I mean, I do it myself every now and then. If I do something silly, I say, oh, Barry, stop being such a twit, you know. <laughs> and I think, hang on, hang on. Stop putting yourself down. It's so easy to do. Mm. So, you know, yeah, do do things like that. But believe in yourself and also believe that we can get away from all this dreadful hatred and division in the world where people's opinions, if they don't agree with yours or with the narrative, are wrong. Everybody's entitled to opinion. We all have freedom of speech but it's not exercised, it's not recognised these days, and this is a real problem. I think we've got to just realise that, A, you and I might vote for different parties, we might have different belief systems, you might be religious, I'm spiritual. But that doesn't mean that you're right and I'm wrong or I'm wrong and you're right, whatever. We have, we have to believe in ourselves because we've learned all of these experiences through our life here on earth. So if we don't get the value out of that, then what are we here for? Barry, where can our listeners find you? Well, I've got a couple of podcasts these days. <clears throat> um, my f podcast has been going for over 21 years now. Wow. It's called Radio Out There, and you can just get on that radiooutthere.com. It's available on my website. streams every Friday uh, in Australia, and it's free. No ads, <laughs> no commitments, uh, and I have a variety of guests, uh, lots of different guests. I've been on. You've been on, <laughs> and it's about time you came on again. <laughs> and that's that's been going for over 20 years now. I'm in the 21st year. And um, that, that stemmed from the program I started when I was living with Judy just before she passed, and I was doing that. And after she passed, then I started it again, put it on to mainstream radio for a while uh, on a community station to try and sell it to or get it picked up by the ABC or by one of the commercial stations. Never happened. <laughs> so I put it on the internet instead. Now I have a worldwide audience, so yes. it's much better. So Spirit has a plan for us. Yeah. And if, you, if you're willing to accept and grow with that plan and, and let them help you, it's amazing what can happen. So RadioOutThere.com was my first one. But then just total contrast, I've just um, four months ago started a program I used to do on, on ABC Radio many years ago called Showtime. And because so many people are down in the dumps these days, they're morose, they don't know where they're going, there lots of mental problems happening, as we all know. I don't have to go into all of that. Um, but Showtime was a very, very popular program. I took a whole lot of original cast musicals from Hollywood, uh, from uh, at least Broadway, from the West End, from Australia, 
along with some of the musicals, one of those, some of those old wonderful MGM musicals, and music right through to today. I mean, the the winner of the Oscar this year, Billy Eilish, doing the song from No Time to Die. You know, all of this kind of music. So I put it all together in an hour-long program called Showtime. So it's called Barry Eaton Showtime dot com. But it's also available on Apple and and um, Google and all those other podcasts and things like that. So totally different ones there. Yeah. Two sides of my life. I love it. I love it. You're, you're multifaceted. And, of course, your books are available at all good bookstores. And some of the crook ones as well. <laughs> <laughs> Barry, you said the word love is so important. and And we've just lo- loved having you here this afternoon. Oh, I've loved being here. Oh, we send you away with love. And uh, I hope we have many more conversations like this. Thank you, Barry. Walter, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. Bless you. Thanks for listening to Expanded Thinking. To purchase Barry's books, head to the links in our show notes. Next week, I'll be talking to writer Delia Faulkner about her literary response to the COVID era, her book Signs and Wonders. Stay tuned. And if you like our content, please remember to subscribe. And even better, leave us a review. Expanded Thinking Podcast is hosted by Walter Mason and produced by Talking Words. The podcast is recorded on Gadigal land. We wish to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land and pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging.